You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Prideofdetroit.com at Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. As I always say, you know where to find us. I just gave you the details. You will find it. It's anything deemed Pride of Detroit, except maybe Zanga or MySpace. If you see a Pride of Detroit on there, they're probably not ours. Probably not on Google Plus either, but you know what? It's what it is. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Why am I called the adequate host? Because adequacy is a bygone term for the fact that I just make mistakes because I am a mortal human being and I have learned to accept those mistakes into my life. I, I have moved into Zen in that way. And on the Pride Detroit BOD cast, we like rolling with the fun things. Which brings us to Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, and so-called because there are many things that make him fearful. Not anymore a lot of these days, but when we started out this podcast, like you, he was always afraid of stepping on a mine, a landmine somewhere. You know who also makes a lot of mistakes? Lines opposing kickers. <laughs> We're going to get to that in a second. Audible Dong returns, ladies and gentlemen, as your Detroit Lions MVP for the game. Audible Dong back once again. I saw Cody Parkey for the Bears made his field goals tonight because he wasn't playing the Lions. So I think our, our theory is going a good long ways there. But we'd be remiss if we didn't introduce a third member of our podcast before we get into the nitty gritty. Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. So gets his intro because he is the rock god. He is kind of the driving force of all of our pop culture weirdness. Yeah, speaking of pop culture weirdness, the coiner of the phrase, Audible Dong. I, I think yeah. that's what I want to be referred to as. You want to be, be referred to No more rock god, you're just the founder and creator of Audible I Dong. I, I don't think I can find a clip of Fred Durst talking about Audible Dongs. <laughs> I, I'm sure if you did enough digging, and by enough digging, I mean maybe like 15 to 20 minutes worth of research, you'd probably be able to find it. I could probably get Dong. I don't know about Audible. Just yeah. so you know, at Audible Dong, available on Twitter. You better get it Is before it? this drops. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta claim that real soon. Yeah. Maybe I'm just adding to my nicknames. I can be AKA Rock God, AKA Audible Dong. AKA Team Pizza Over Everything. Ooh, no, Team Wings over everything. Wings, that's right. My bad. It's that's that's an old one for us. We've it's a deep cut. We're getting we're getting way too self self referential. And as I always say, start with the score: Detroit Lions twenty, Carolina Panthers nineteen. With the Lions winning on a failed two point conversion, 
And uh, I think the immediate reaction to this is like, wow, what a meaningless win. How dare you? I know. Um, we'll get to that in a second. On this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, why tanking is bad, folks. But I, I mean, we, we did call this all meaningless football here on out. But at the same time, as we said, you can enjoy meaningless football, especially when it comes to uh, somehow beating the Carolina Panthers. Not only just beating them, but showing strong to start the game, which is not something we've been able to say about the Detroit Lions for a while now. Usually this offense starts very sluggishly, very, very slow. And unfortunately, and a lot of that was because of carry on Johnson. And unfortunately, there might be some bad news on that horizon. And we will get to that shortly. But as always, we start with first impressions. Jeremy, what do you think about this game? Well, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there to start the game. It was just it was a very strange start to the game. Obviously, the Panthers go 90 yards on their first drive. And you're like, OK, well, buckle in. We're, we're ready for another performance that we've seen of the last three weeks the Lions are going to be horrible on defense offense probably isn't going to be up to snuff especially with no Marvin Jones and then the pan the Lions immediately respond and suddenly it's seven to seven and then suddenly the defenses show up and I think the team trades the teams trade four punts after that and they just go back and forth punt 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 the Lions defense though let's talk about them because they give up that first drive they don't give up another score until very late in the fourth quarter when the Panthers are trying to mount this comeback. Um, that was, to me, the biggest surprise of this game. And I'm not going to come here and tell you that the Lions' defensive problems are fixed. I mean, anyone who watched that game knows that the Lions' secondary is still in deep, 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 deep trouble. Especially late in that game, too. Like, Darius Slay, like, before before the secondary became the heroes, breaking up that two-point conversion, it did look like this was all going to fall apart on their Absolutely. shoulders again. Absolutely. But... We have to talk about the run defense again because for the second straight week, they took on a top 10 run defense by DVOA. This time it was a number three, I believe, by the Panthers. Held Christian McCaffrey to 13 13 carries, 53 yards. The whole team, Cam Newton, two yards on two carries. So 16 carries for the team, 56 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. That's how the Lions got into all these positions where they could get off the field. They're getting into third and fives instead of third and threes, third and sixes, third and sevens, third and eights, third and nines. And while we know that the Lions defense is not good in those situations, their their pass defense is awful, if you get into enough of those situations, you're going to get them off the field. And also, when you have to go 90 yards every drive because Sam Martin is pinning you inside the 10 every, every time he touches the ball, that's a really good formula to win the game, and that's a really good way to help out your defense. So... I mean, I, my first impression was just the defense and the special teams. They they won this game for them. Yeah, and I would say, and Ryan, maybe you can take it from here too, like you also saw kind of the younger parts of this offense really playing a role. Kenny Galladay, eight receptions for 113 yards. Had himself a baller of a day. Carry on Johnson before he left the field, 15 carries for 87 yards. You saw the young, kind of like the guys we've we've pinned as being the future of the offense being the parts that, you know, didn't didn't make fireworks happen, but they did enough to really keep keep the uh, Panthers honest. Yeah, I mean the Lions' youth is uh is definitely a direction you can point in and say like this was the reason why the Lions were so wildly successful, especially on offense. Like when you look at you know the day that Carryon Johnson had and the day that Kenny Galladay had, like he completely shouldered the load. Like this is one of those. I think this is one of those games where it's like, all right, like this guy knows that like when he's the when he's the top receiver out there, like the the proof is in the pudding type thing. I know that Carolina doesn't have the best defensive 
um, the best group of defensive backs, but um, he got into some battles and he came out on top. I think more often than not. So I, I think that this is one of those games that maybe we look back on and say like, this is Kenny Dollar, Kenny Galladay's like true coming out party because it's not like, you know, other, other matchups are dictating that he's getting, you know, softer coverage or easier coverage. Like, you know, Kenny Galladay was the guy today and he, he really stepped up. But I, I think the other thing that was just so wildly impressive about um, the lions defense today was just like another, another really outstanding performance in terms of, bottling up the Carolina run game. Like I, I mm-hmm. snacks Harrison just has completely changed what the lions are able to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with, with a Sean Robinson out, like I, I think that the lions were able to get what they could out of Ricky Jean Francois. I thought he had a pretty decent game. Um, and you know, they, they hold, they hold Carolina to, I think it was 3.5 yards per carry. Yep. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey, 13 carries for 53 yards. I think the big thing though, you know, and I think that this is a, this is a problem that, you know, the lions had big time last week against Trubisky was that he was able to run at will cam Newton, two carries for two yards. Uh, yeah. I think that's like that. That's like an achievement or an accomplishment that I think if you would have told me coming into this game, that cam Newton wouldn't have, you know, at least a couple runs that are, you know, backbreakers on a third, you know, third and eight or something like that, then um, I, I'd be pretty surprised if you told me that Cam Newton had the day that he had rushing the ball. And I, th- I think we got to give credit to a guy that we like to hammer on the show a lot, and it's Jared Davis. I thought we saw good Jared Davis this this day, and and we we tend to see Jekyll and Hyde out of this guy lately. And I think he did an okay with Trubisky last week, but he was spying a lot in this game as well. And and I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, he he almost cost him on the two point conversion because he took a very long route to try to get. Cam Newton and if Cam Newton had seen that he probably could have scampered in for the two-point conversion but overall I mean you you have to be impressed Cam Newton was a, a big threat as a running guy they kind of revitalized that part of his career this year and two carries two yards he, he was a non-factor on the ground and and I think Jared Davis deserves a lot of credit for that also picked up a sack in this game a huge sack may I add on, on a third down so I, I thought Jared Davis, I, and I mean, that front seven was, was a lot better in this game, and it's probably not even fair to call him a front seven since the lines usually have at least five DBs on the field. But either way, the, the, I would think the, the, the front of this defense is, is improving, and not just at, in run defense. I, I, I think they're, they're starting to get it together as a pass rusher too because, honestly, when Ezekiel Anza is in that game in, in pass rushing downs, I think that's a really good set of players that they have trying to rush the passer with Deshaun Hand, with Jared Davis in there, with Ezekiel Ansah, and you know, depending on on the force, sometimes it's Devon Kennard. Sometimes I think they they put Kerry Hyder in that situation a couple times. Um, but I think mm-hmm. that's actually a really good set of pass rushers. And granted, the Lions got three sacks today, pretty good. Uh, I, I think if they can get into more passing downs, more like third and longs, like third and tens instead of third and fives. Um, we could really see this team continue to rack up a lot of sacks. Well, I mean, it was three sacks on the ground, but Cam Newton, yeah, bottled up in the ground, but absolutely kind of had himself a bit of a day through the air, though. 25 out of sure. 37 on attempts, a passer rating of 114, averaging 9.6 yards per per completion. So it's not like there. there's definitely... It's it's funny enough, though, right? Like, because we kept thinking about this Lions back, defensive backs being the strength here, and that's where the Panthers were able to stick in this game was through the air. 
Absolutely. And that's kind of the that, that's kind of the problem. But I mean, that's also what doomed them against you know the Bears. It wasn't the ground game. The Lions definitely yeah. stopped up the Bears in that ground game. But it's just it, it's kind of feel it feels like you know you stop one leak and another one's kind of springs to life for sure. And and I mean, you just you look at the the way the game played out today. Who among us thought Mike Ford was going to start the cornerback? <laughs> None I mean, of here us. I am. Here I am making the joke that it's nepotism because. Ford, Ford, right, right, right. yeah, bad joke. But at the same time, like, why not? Why not try Mike Ford out there? Because Deshaun Shedd wasn't working. Because Tease Tabor, we've seen week in week out, is a disaster. Glover Quinn fell in this game. Glover Quinn fell down at least once there on that play. But I mean, for you know, a guy fresh off the bench, uh, we're talking an undrafted free agent. I, I thought Mike Ford played okay. Coverage-wise, he was good. Um, made some bad choices in terms of pursuit and tackling. But he he's given me more reason for optimism than anyone not named Darius Slay in the secondary right now. Except for maybe one other guy who had a big play in this game. Yeah, which I want to get to because we potentially may have not jinxed him. Like, I mean, I was kind of worried that we were going to put the... Uh, the Miles Killebrew kibosh on him and uh, Tracy Walker. Have yourself yeah. a day, my guy. Interception, uh, a, a pretty big interception at that too. So, um, I love it. I yeah. want some more of it. I mean, he was in there quite a bit in this game. I'm, I'm curious to see the snap counts when when they come out. We're, we're recording this Sunday night, but they took Lover Quinn off the field quite a bit from what I could see, and, and Tracy Walker was the first guy in there, and. You know, not again, he also had his ups and downs. I think he had some problems with pursuit as well. But that was a very, very impressive interception. And I wish it would have mattered more because the lines couldn't turn it into points. But, I mean, he just, like, every week it seems he comes up with one play where you're like, okay, Tracy Walker, I see what's happening here. I see why the Lions war room was so excited when they drafted you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think think out of anyone on the roster – Tracy Walker is the guy that most people are excited to see more of. They want to see more of in these last six games because I think we can all say no one is changing their opinion of the Lions' 2018 chances after this game. The Lions picked up no. a big win, and it's odd that now all four of their wins have come against pretty good teams. But that's not good. They're, they're still four. It's, like, it's like the inverse of what we know about the Lions, right? It's always, oh, the Lions can beat up on bad teams, but they you know, wilt right. against good teams. Now it seems like the opposite is happening. Right. I well, don't get I, it. It's unfortunate because one of the things I was thinking about as I was leaving Ford Field Stadium today is just like, man, it's just it's frustrating seeing this team play competently because they blew their chance already. They blew yeah. their chance against the Niners. They blew their chance against the Jets. Those are the games they had to have. And the and only thing you can really, him. yeah, the only thing you can really hang your hat on is maybe this is a sign for next year, but that's a matter of process. And I think as we're going to talk in the off season too, the Lions are poised to lose quite a few pieces too. So we're going to have to see how it looks in the future. Uh, by the way, sitting here, as I said, we're recording this Sunday night. I'm watching SportsCenter. Kenny, uh, Kenny Galladay's touchdown pass clocks in at SportsCenter number six on the top ten, dude. There are some amazing photos of that picture. I think I might throw together a photo gallery because there are just some amazing pictures from this game in general. But that I've had uh, as my iPad background that catch from his Arizona game, first ever career game. I think I'm changing it to the the touchdown, the the game winning touchdown from this game because he just he's making some sick plays out there. He's I love a it. beast, man. It's it's fun to, and and that's another thing I came from this game is the last three weeks we. 
we've had trouble posting a single highlight in our recaps. Like, literally a highlight. This game finally had highlights in a bunch of them. And that that alone was just exciting to see because I've been yeah. dreading from the minute we lost to the Bears the following seven weeks. It's just, oh my God, like, I don't care that the Lions are going to make the playoffs. I just want to see some fun football. And finally we got some football and it resulted in a win. Like, that's win on win on win. All right, real quick before we go on, I think we're going to keep talking about this next segment. I want to play a little game with you guys about this game. But before we do, real quick, um, you know what? Saving it for next segment. Next segment, we're going to talk about Carrion Johnson a little bit. He, he sustained an injury. We're going to give you an update on that. I want to have you guys think right now during the break about the one moment in this game that you felt, because there were several moments in the game where things kind of like, the balance kept tip, tipping back and forth. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the two point conversion at the end of the game. Cause like it or not, that kind of sealed the fate of what was going to happen here and how that all broke down. And we, since we're not going to do a preview podcast, cause Thanksgiving's this week, we're going to talk a little bit about lions bears round two. Pride of Detroit POD cast continues on when we come back here on the internet. Stick around. We're back. We're back here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, before we get into too much here, I want to talk real quick about Carrion Johnson. Um, we've had several injury updates. Uh, there was people worried about an MCL or an ACL or some other three-letter thing that sounds very disastrous. Um, do we have any updates on that? Well, the the latest news we have is is from unfortunately a, a source that we don't know how well we can trust. Um, Ian Rappaport says that initial tests, initial thoughts are that it's not an ACL tear, which is obviously very very good news. Um, instead, uh, says it's a, a, a knee sprain, which, depending on the severity, could mean one week, could mean five weeks, could mean six weeks, could mean he plays against the Bears. I, I think it's highly unlikely he pay, plays against the Bears. Um, but David J. Chow, kind of the, the Twitter doctor who used to be the, the Chargers uh, medical guy, um, says he, he didn't get a good video of it, so he can't be sure. His first thoughts was it could be an ACL. That was before the, the Ian Rapport report came out. Um, we'll, we'll know a little bit more when, when there's a, uh, an MRI on Monday, but that, that's if the Lions share any details, and I'm guessing they won't. Ryan? Would it break your heart if if you had to see less of carry on this year? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was one thing that I think all of us were looking forward to watching on offense for, for the rest of the season, just because of really like the gutty performance that he had against Chicago. It's clear that like when this offense is operating at its peak, it's, it's because of the dynamic that carry on Johnson brings to it. So it's a, it's a big time bummer. Um, I'm also hoping that the lions don't try to galaxy brain this. Like I hope they, I hope they understand like where they are in the, like the pecking order. And like the fact that, you know, just because they're four and six doesn't mean that they're like hopefuls of, you know, doing anything this season. So I really hope they take, they take stock in Matt Patricia's patience comments and they apply that to carry on Johnson. If he needs time to recover and that right. they don't rush him back. I, I really don't see the the point in doing that. Um, the only point I see in doing that is because my goodness, who wants to watch 
a backfield of Legarrette Blunt, <laughs> Zach Zenner, and Theo Riddick. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah can, like, let, I, let's talk about it. Let's talk, talk about, about the Lions' Blunt, backfield because, like, right now Blunt is not looking well. Yeah, literally, I think in the second quarter, I turned to Eric Schlitt, who who sits at the game, sits with the game, six nets to me at all these games, and I'm like, speak wow. English. I don't think there's a team in the NFL that has a larger disparity between their first runner and their second runner on the team because, I mean, it's, it's not even close. Like, Carrion Johnson, at his best, is, is potentially a top 10 running back in this league. I almost don't feel yeah. that's a controversial statement to say right now. I that's how well is, he's playing. Okay. LeGarrette Blunt is the worst running back in the league right now. That's not <laughs> even debatable. The dude had seven carries for one yard. Look at his last three games. I'm going to pull it up right now. Legarrette Blunt game log. He goes down in the he goes down in the in the box score. By the way, saying he has a long of, of four, so it's like he got more than one yard. It's just that then he immediately wiped it all out. Okay, let's let's take this back to the On Seattle seven game. Carry. Last four games, three rushes, three yards against Seattle, one point per carry. Five rushes for eight yards against Minnesota, one point six a carry. That's Six fruitful. carries for four yards. Against the Bears, seven carries for one yard. So we're talking 21 carries for 16 yards over the past four games. He just doesn't have any vision. Like he just, he, he goes, no he goes straight at the line and just is like, well, guess I'll, guess I'll hit, hit the pile. The only thing he's good for right now is a screen that nobody's expecting. And that worked, what, once this year? I just don't know if. I don't know if we have the personnel or we have the person scheming the right personnel for him to be running the ball in like the most effective way. It's almost like we're trying to fit him into like the same running scheme that we want carry on Johnson to take yeah. like advantage when of. He took yeah. that, te- that toss pass. <laughs> that like, toss. Why? Oh my God. It's like, you have to think about your personnel, Jim Bob, you know, who carry on, you know, that is a play. For carry on and Laguerre Blunt running it is like running carry on in half speed. It's like a walkthrough with carry on. Like how frustrating was it with the way that carry on Johnson started the game? And then there was the drive where there were three plays and it was Laguerre Blunt and Theo Riddick. It was like, why? Blunt going out there trying to run the things you want carry on Johnson. It's like trying to run a cement, a cement truck in Monaco. (laughs) That's a reference that Cali boy got. And there's got to be other people who watch Formula One. Come on. But, I mean, kind of taking it back to what happened on Sunday, I think one thing that I haven't seen a lot of people talking about is the offensive line. The offensive line had a resurgence. Like, granted, the Panthers' defense isn't anywhere near where the Vikings' defense are or where the Bears' defense was, but they gave up one sack in this game. It was a bad one, but that's it. And, I mean... Plus, Julius Peppers was playing the lines. Like, you knew he was going to get at least one sack. That's just, that's NFL law. Julius Peppers has to sack Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I just feel like we're, oh, sorry, go on. I was just saying, they protected the passer in this game. They opened up running, they opened running lanes for both running backs. Only one of them chose to run through them. And this is the, the offensive line that we saw through the first five or six weeks of the game. And I do think that they're real. It's just they need to prove that they can do it against some of the best defensive fronts in the league, and they haven't done that yet. Yeah, it's 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 kind of frustrating like that, and we've I think we've harped on some of the negatives of this team right now, and it would, it would be fine if we could find some more. But I want to kind of turn to moments that defined the game. So 
anything other than the two point conversion we should talk about? Like, what did you think was like the defining play of this game? Got to be Darius Slay chasing down DJ Moore, right? Oh man, yes. I almost let that one slip. Yeah, let's talk about it. All right, go ahead. I mean, if you wanted any more proof that this Lions team and and granted, Darius Slay is just one individual on the team, but has not given up on this season, has not given up on Matt Patricia or whatever dumb narrative you want to say about the team giving up on someone. That play was one of the best single-handed efforts, effort plays that I've seen in the NFL. And even at the time, I just I I was just like, hmm, that was a really good play by him. I wonder if that's going to turn out to be really, really big. It just had that feeling when he made it. You're like, wow. Because DJ Moore, that dude is a burner. That dude can run really, really fast. He's he's a rookie, so he's got five years on Darius Slay. And I just like I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't see how much faster Darius Slay looked on that field. And three or four plays later, Graham Gano lines up. The the voodoo doll gets squeezed or kicked in the nuts or whatever. Shanks it and and that's a I I, I wrote this in, in my uh, my player of the, the game article. That's a six-point swing. I, I would not say it's a seven-point swing because he would have missed the extra point. That's a six-point swing, though. And that's all. Audible that's dog, all. Audible dog. There's something, yeah, there's I, something I, in the air at Ford Field, I feel like, when it comes to players. Like, I, I don't know. Do, what, do you have any theories on this, Ryan? Because this is bizarre at this point. Uh, in terms of kickers, yeah, there's some there's some juju going on in the locker room for sure. But I mean, I, I couldn't be any happier uh, for Audible Dong Part Two. So, Part Three yeah, at this the, point. One of the, yeah, well, yeah, it, it got, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, Part Three. I wonder if there's gonna. I mean, I like there should be more se- Like this is one of those things where like I want more sequels. Usually, I don't want more sequels. But I'm I'm a big sequel guy on Audible Dong. Um, one of the most impressive, what <laughs> exactly? One of the most impressive things about Darius Slay's play, um, just to outline it some more, is uh, according to NFL's Next Gen stats, it, it said that he reached a top speed of 21.89 miles per hour on his uh, touchdown saving tackle of DJ Moore. Um, and I, that's just the kind of play from a guy who it shows how much the lions missed him last week. Right. Mm-hmm. Like without Darius, without Darius lay on, on the field, like the, the defensive backfield is just a sieve. Like it's just, it's, it, it's, it, I mean, the way he controls his section of the field is, I mean, it's, it's clear he's one of the top corners in the game and that's just, it's what he does. And I mean, even in, even in plays like this, like, you know, not giving up on the play and chasing him down and, I mean, that, that really, like you said, Jeremy, like six point swing. But like at the end of the day, like that's it's one of those plays where I think, you know, Chris is talking about like the memorable, memorable plays from today that really affected the outcome in a big way. Like that's that's, you know, on Darius Slay, but that's why they call him big play. I think he, that did play a part, too, because like when this again, this game was decided because Carolina had busted like it was, you know, they get the six points on the tu- on the touchdown, but then they they decide to go for the two point conversion. Which I I don't know, man. Jeremy, I know you're a fan of like of kind of these decisions or something. I I don't know if I I don't know if I liked the the Panthers going for two there. It kind of it felt weird, right? 
Riverboat Ron. Jeremy, I was going to say, Jeremy, I'll let you get into it. But like, I just, I I think that maybe part of the reason why they went for two is because earlier in the game, that Greg Olson touchdown was maybe the easiest thing that they've run all season long. So, I mean, why not try to go for two in that same situation? Because the Lions red zone defense hasn't been particularly great. Yeah, but man, I, like Newton just looked lost on that two point conversion. That was insane. Yeah, and he had a wide open receiver there too. And because he had all sorts of time, the coverage was actually good initially on that play, but the Lions got no pressure. And as I kind of alluded to before, um, Jared Davis, who was playing spy, kind of looped around and, and took a really long path that gave Cam Newton extra time to find someone. And he found someone who just missed horribly. But as for the decision, it obviously didn't surprise me given Riverboat Ron's. Uh, track record, but I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 split on whether that was a good or bad decision. Um, I Like you said, I do kind of like the aggressive play there in general. Um, Matt Patricia's explanation, you know, he mentioned momentum, and you all know how I feel about momentum, but to me, I feel like if that game goes into overtime, there's little doubt in my mind Carolina wins it, but there was still a minute and change at left on the clock. And I think there the lines was. slowed a couple of timeouts yeah. and yeah. not the Lions' offense. Wasn't great on this game, but I, I think that's plenty of time for, for they could have gotten to a field goal range from Matt yeah. Prater. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so I, overall, I, I don't think I would be mad. Like if I was a Panthers fan, I wouldn't be mad at Rivera today. I'd be mad at Cam Newton for not finding the guy. I'd be mad at, the Panthers offense for disappearing for the first, for the middle two quarters of the game. And I'd be mad at Kenny Galladay for just dunking on him in that last drive of the game. Yeah. You can be mad at Cam Newton, but you know what? He's in the holiday spirit. He wore apparently a pilgrim hat to the presser <laughs> after, after the game, which is a great way to transition into our preview. We've only got a few minutes left of lions bears for Thanksgiving. And I just, speaking of our special teams play MVP for three, four games running now, Audible Dong, uh, most of the Sunday night football broadcast was spent uh, assuaging Cody Parkey. Corey Parkey? I, I'm messing up his first name. Yeah, Cody Parkey. And the fact that he was actually making field goals. And I was like, oh my God, isn't it so good for him? Wow, wow. Let me tell you something. Walking back into Lions Den, Cody. <laughs> Mr. Parkey, you're walking back into the lion's den again. An audible dong is here for you. This time you're walking into Ford Field where audible dong is two times more likely. It's true. It's true. That's he took down Mason Crosby. He got you on the road. He got the Panthers kicker whose name I've immediately forgotten. Ram Gano. Gano, thank you. Uh, guess what? What are you to him? Audible dong is here. He's ready to go. He's you ready to go. Four audible dongs in one game was bad. Four times two is eight, son. It's really, it's really easy for any kicker to look good against the Vikings. So, <laughs> <laughs> usually, usually by contrast with the Vikings kicker, though. Right. Like, let's not let's not get too gassed up on ourselves, Cody Parkey, before you come in here on <clears throat> Thanksgiving Day, where things things ought to, you know, things just have a have a propensity to get a little weird. So. Well, we, we've been pretty, I, I'm worried about a little bit of whiplash here because we have been pretty positive about talking about the Lions, how they did against the Panthers, and that always happens after a win, but I don't see much. Like, I, I think the Bears wrapped up to the division 
tonight, Sunday night. They beat the they beat the Vikings. They are now seven and three. I think they're they're going to be your NFC champions, North champions. I did not think I would ever say that. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless the Lions can really get some stuff turned around, it's going to be a bloodbath on Thanksgiving. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. Sunday's game against the Panthers, that was fun. Very fun. But as I mentioned in my preview, they were a much better matchup for this Lions team than the past two weeks. Much better because their defense has not been that good. And because of it, the Lions were able to run the ball, control the clock. They, They won in time possession, keep their defense off the field, keep their defense rested. And it turned into a winning formula. We've seen them win by that formula already a couple times this year. They're not going to be able to do that against the Bears. We've already seen it. They're not. The Bears are a nightmare matchup for this team, and I've been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks before the Lions even played the Bears. That defense is so good. The Lions aren't going to have a running back that can run the ball. They're probably going to pick one up off the street, and I don't have a lot of faith in that guy, whoever that poor soul is, running into Akeem Hicks. And when the Lions aren't going to be able to run the ball, and I, I doubt Marvin Jones is going to be back next week either in the short week. So, like, this offense is going to be a disaster again next week, and people are going to call for Jim Bob Cooter's head on Black Friday. They're not going to get it, but they're going to be mad, and they're, they're going to want it. And as for the defense, we saw Trubisky tear him up last week. I, I have no reason to believe he can't do it again. The, I mean, this Bears team isn't like the Panthers team that's going to just try to run the ball a bunch for, for no apparent reason. They're... Yeah, let's 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 not get it twisted. I'm absolutely starting Trubisky in my fantasy team this week. Well, that that's that's still not okay. <laughs> I'm starting him over Philip Rivers too. Like I can't. I it's it's wow. Ryan, had, how how I are had, you? Are you feeling this Thanksgiving dread? No, let me let me bring some optimism to the table. And the only reason I bring optimism is I think that the Lions at home. They've, I don't know, they've, I feel like they've just played a little bit better. I mean, like, throw out the Jets game, but I mean, aside from that, the Lions have been, the Jets game is such a friggin' outlier. Like, it, that just felt like such a house of horror, like, that I, I've tucked away, like, in the recesses of my brain that I never want to get into. Um, but I, I, I truly think, like, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a different game. I think it'll be closer. Like, I think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be closer, and I, I don't think, I don't think that the Lions are going to struggle as much on offense as they did against Chicago in Chicago. And I know it's insane to say that because of no carry on Johnson, but like, I just feel like I'm going to have a little bit of hope in Jim Bob Cooter because like, I feel like without carry on Johnson, like you have to make like, you have to make this very like, obvious decision where you're like you know what the bears pass rush is the bears pass rush is really good we're gonna do everything we can to get the ball out of matthew stafford's hands like as soon as possible so that we don't have you know another you know terrible game where we can't protect matthew stafford again you don't think the Vikings game was the wake-up call that he needed no (laughs) i mean like you, you do you know the same Jim Bob Cooter that I do? Because there's only one way that he can hey. he can write up a game plan in a shortened week that can somehow fix their their pass protection problems when they got no running game. Who do you think hey, Jim Jeremy. Bob Cooter is? Hey, Jeremy, Jeremy, huh? Can't what is is it a crime to be optimistic? Yes, in my world, are you are you are you are you, sh- are you shaming me because I'm trying to be optimistic? Because That's Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. 
we don't and it's oh not just God. because it's not it's not just because it's thanksgiving okay and it's not just because it's like the day where the lions play and it's not just the day because you know i get to go out there and take advantage of all the ugliness that capitalism is and consumerism is and then i'm going to go out there at 5 30 when all the stores open up and people are being torn away from their families on a day where it's supposed to be giving thanks and spending time with them like just let me have some optimism, okay? Like, Thanksgiving's one of the holidays that I really look forward to. So take your poo-poo attitude and audible dong it with an arm punt. You're, you're <laughs> looking forward to Black Friday, not Thanksgiving. But, okay. That's the no, holiday. I'm looking forward to everything. About. Oh. You looking forward to the fruit salad? Uh, we don't have fruit salad at my family's Thanksgiving because that is not a dish that you have at Thanksgiving. Kyle. He's listening. You put your fruits in pies. There's only two questions. Pieces. There's there's only two questions I, I have for this Thanksgiving game. One, if I'm going to get up in time to see the start of it, because it is a 9.30 a.m. West Coast kickoff. Bad fan that I am. Sorry. And B, will Africa by Toto win Song of the Game again at Ford Field? 5-0, baby. 5-0. 5-0. Keep it rolling, folks. I know the faithful are out there. I know you're doing work out there. You're doing God's work out there. Keep it rolling. We're only at 48%. Yeah, it- We're losing traction. You got to get, get the energy back into it. I need yeah, I think on Thursday. I think after a victory Monday, though, I think that hopefully some people will um, kind of revert back to their, their, you know, their sensibilities and, and they'll, and they'll, show out on Thursday and for every, for everybody real quick about like the Mike Posner halftime performance, like stop acting like you don't know who Mike Posner is. Like everybody's heard the Ibiza. Everybody's heard the Ibiza song. Okay. The what? Uh, Nope. Whatever. Yeah. I'm not talking to my, I'm not talking to the demographic of like crusty old washed up (laughs) dudes from California. Not old and crusty and washed up. Get get out of here. No, you guys are I'm guilty. That's fine. I totally am. That's fine. I'm not. I'm hip. No, no, you're not. We're taking a break. When we come back, um, at least I don't get by my own students. We're going to have a frank discussion about tanking, what it means, and why tanking is stupid and dumb. And it is stupid and dumb. This is going to be a one-sided argument. You, we are not going to have anyone pro-tanking in here. This is not embrace debate. This is me giving you probably five points, maybe six. I'm not counting on why tanking is dumb and and doesn't exist lecture time yeah. with chris jeremy lecture is dumb, time stupid chris. and hurtful yikes <laughs> well i see the i see the get mad at relatives part of thanksgiving has started early here on the pride <laughs> of detroit pod cast we'll be right back one of my favorite parts pride of detroit pod cast it's back Ryan just said it was your it was favorite part of Thanksgiving for him before we went to right to break was getting mad about relatives. Uh, so when we reconvene after Thanksgiving, are we going to have a story about Wally then? Is are you yeah. hinting to that? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Wally's work schedule has just kind of been all over the place, and he's uh he's been he's I don't know he's he's always fuming about fantasy football. Like did, I talked about the Doug Baldwin trade, right? No, you didn't. Oh, okay. So real quick as an aside. So Walt's been uh, dealing with some adversity in his fan- in the fantasy football league that we are in in our family. And one day I get home and I'm really 
trying to get out of the house because I get home from basketball practice. I got stuff I got to do. And he just goes, Hey, you, uh, you in the market for a wide receiver? And I was like, uh, I, I guess. Yeah. What, I mean, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I'm going to get rid of Kenny Galladay. I was like, okay. Um, what, do, what do you want? He's like, uh, I want Doug Baldwin. Cause he has Russell Wilson on his team. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You want to stack Baldwin with, you know, Russell Wilson. And I was like, you know what? You know what? It, it was the week after the Tate trade. I was like, sure. I'll take Galladay off your hands. Cause he's been such a headache for you. What happens immediately after that is I get some really fruitful production from Kenny Galladay in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Walt has since cut Doug Baldwin, and he's like spiraling into fantasy oblivion. Like, <laughs> I get home today, and he started Dalvin Cook over. He started Dalvin Cook over Carry uh, On Johnson, I think, and he was not happy with himself. So hard Yikes. times have fallen on on. Uh, Hard times have fallen on. I've already told you Wally's team name for three years straight is Hard Knocks, and he has a John Gruden uh, <laughs> icon oh, no. as his logo. Not not the best year for that. One game win. This is a self. Gruden. This is a self fulfilling prophecy. I think at this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know Jeremy doesn't like the name of the person we're about to talk about a little bit, but. As as we kind of joked about at the start, Detroit Free Press ran one of their post piece, post game pieces as that the Lions win a quote meaningless game as Kenny Galladay turns into Calvin Johnson. Now, if you're familiar with the Detroit Free Press's cast of reporters and writers, you can probably guess who wrote that. Our own famous, our our a guy we love, maybe Carlos Monarez. Marlos Conares. Marlos Conares, yes. You still have the L- he got rid of the LA Chargers logo from his Twitter thing, I think. Either way, um, but here's the thing, and I, I kind of I kind of went into a small Twitter thread about this. Is that, and I don't know if I was really defending Carlos, but I was giving context to Carlos because, yeah, he does think it is meaningless because it at least is consistent with his worldview and that he believes the Lions should tank. And true to form, too, I saw quite a few fans, not a lot, but a few who were like, he's not wrong or the Lions should tank. And I think this is going to get into, a just again, a great conversation, because I, I feel like in sports these days, especially after Sam Hinkie and Suck for Luck and several other incidents out there, people want to min-max, like hardcore fans, mind you. These are hardcore fans we're talking about. I'm not even going to say core fans. Like, you're, these are people who follow the team, people who read the, listen to this podcast. And read our site, I should say. There is a subset of fans who believe that you can min-max your joy over a long period of time by trading in losses right now so you can get better players in the near future. And that then translates to, in the distant future, hopefully more joy. Like to try, you're, you're trying to invest your sadness and turn it into happiness. And I am of the belief that that is a Ponzi scheme and you are getting taken for a ride by the Bernie Madoffs of the world. And that's where we want to start this. I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm even right here or if I am, am I making sense so far, Ryan, you, you seem to be the one who generally checks me. No, I, your, your, your sense and your logic checks out. I Tony reality it. You Tony reality. I, I feel, I fear that. I, okay fine whatever i'm trying not to get self-referential too much but and i i said this in i said this in my thread too like 
this is this is kind of what what Monterey's wrote is the end result of fans out there believing in this kind of thing. And yet at the same time, tanking itself is fairly meaningless. It's fairly nonsensical because not only does it not work that it just doesn't really happen a lot of times. And I think we should run down like reasons why it doesn't. Um, and number one for me is the, just that. I, I mean, I said it's a Ponzi scheme, but and I also said it's for hardcore fans. If you want to take a kid to a game, when I went to my first Pistons game, my first Detroit Pistons game, I was like eight. And that was, yeah, 94. I would have been eight. They were not, the Pistons, if I recall, were not good in 94. I don't have the record on hand, but guess what? I like, I don't remember them doing too much after the bad boy era anyway. If someone would have tried to tell me, oh no, you see, because that was like my very first sporting event ever. And I'm there to try to see the Pistons win a team I care about, like, you know, that I don't know much about, but I'm suddenly told cheer for this team. You want them to win. I'm like, okay, cool. They want to win. Cool. Rah, rah. Somehow you try to come to me and say, no, actually you want them to lose because then they'll get a higher draft pick from a player who's not on the team yet, but might be on the team if you're in the right spot at the right time. And maybe that player turns into a superstar later on down the road. I would have just looked at you like you had eight heads. It's not fair for other people. It's not fun. And it's well, not like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I get the logic behind tanking, but I don't think you can convince people in a short term. I, I think short term happiness should outweigh long term when it comes to sports. You may not like that. You may want to play it as kind of a game, but I just, I feel that as one point. And I think Jeremy wanted to jump in before I get to the others. Well, no, and, and you're right about that point is that, because future happiness is never guaranteed in sports. Ever. That's the other thing too. Ever, yeah, ever, exactly. ever, 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 ever. Exactly. Like, okay, like the one incident we've actually had of proper tanking in the NFL was suck for luck, right? Sure. That was a premeditate premeditated before the season even began because Peyton Manning had to sit out the entire year because of his neck surgery. And the, the Colts just went after some of the most God awful people I've ever seen play quarterback in this league. And yet, what has luck brought to the Indianapolis Colts? Like, have they re- gone back to those Peyton Manning heights of glory? They're getting better now that he's healthy. But, but, that, but that's just the thing. Is like, yeah. Even if you get a guy like Andrew Luck, who maybe he turns out to be a really, really great quarterback and, and everything they hope from, you didn't see it for the first couple of years because sports are random. And sometimes great players get injured and you never get to see them blossom into the, the guys that they should be. And draft picks are are even more random because there are busts every year in every top ten of every single NFL draft ever. Yeah. And so outside of all of that, listen, we only get sixteen games a year to root for this team. And I don't understand why you would take away the ability from yourself to do that, to root for this team, to enjoy a win. I mean this is why I watch the game is to is to see them win. And do I want to see them win bigger things and better things going on? Of course I do. But it, it's the difference between having the 15th pick and the second pick can be big. Sure. Can. Well, that's the next point. Oh yeah. Continue. But to me, it's just, it, it's, it's a no brainer to me. The, the difference in having to, to sit through a whole 16 games, basically this entire season as a curmudgeon, as 
dealing with all this crap about stupid practices, being outside and, and being mad about wanting to fire everybody and having to deal with angry players and all these stupid controversies that mean nothing, having to deal with that for an entire year just so that we get one guy who might be good rather than another guy who also might be good. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of negative energy. I mean, if you want to be that person, fine. I'm not going to tell you how to, how to be a fan, but to me, I enjoy football for watching the games and why wouldn't I want my team to win every single week? I don't care if they're one in five. I don't care if they're five and one. I don't care if they're one in 14. I want them to win that second game. Yeah. And that brings me to my next few points too, is you talked about the draft. It's a, a like two, two sub points here. A, the NFL draft is a very wild, different beast. Everyone's coming into it with different things that they need. Unless you need a quarterback there, you can survive at lower, at lower draft position. You don't need number one, like it is the NBA. Like what, just, just as an example. And I know this is kind of rough because 2014 was a really stacked draft class, but the lions were in the playoff hunt in 2013, right up until that Philly uh, snowball, they finished seven and nine. Draft number 10. That class is the where where they get Eric Ebron, which meant Aaron Donald was alive in that draft. And there were so many other really good players that went in the draft too. But I'm just saying seven and nine gets you a top 10 pick. And it's not like there was anyone else above that too, that I would say that the lions were like desperately missing out on very good players drafted then. And subpart B to that point is that if you are tanking, you still won't be as bad as some of the genuinely bad teams in this league right now. <laughs> like there's a lot of teams guttering up at three and seven right now, but I can't see the lions. Even if they try to suck as hard as they can, they will still not finish with a better record. I mean, with a worse record than the 49ers or the Cardinals, those teams are like, or, or the Raiders or the Raiders. I almost forgot about the Raiders. Those teams are genuinely bad. Well, and, and, and not to be how bad them to be clear, like no coaching staff is ever, ever, ever trying to tank ever. Yeah. The, but I'm the just, life this, of an NFL head if. coach. Yeah, yeah. This is a what but, if though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying the life of a head coach is not guaranteed, which is why I think this was a big win for the lions. I mean, as I'm going to reiterate, I think they have absolutely no chance at the playoffs. The season is over in that sense, but we could feel the the Matt Patricia Fortress starting to form some cracks at the foundation after last week. Three straight really, really bad losses. And you, you pick up a, a big win against a, a quality opponent, which is now the third or fourth of those he's already racked up in his first year. That means something. That means something to the players in this locker room that might be around next year. That means something for the fans that were just about ready to pack up and go and not show up for any game past Thanksgiving. And I think it means something for probably ownership of the team and, and maybe their faith in, in Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. And maybe it means they give him an extra year. Maybe you think that's a good or a bad thing, but it, it was an important win. And that's yeah, why it's, it's I kind of in the moment at, too, at the crux yeah. of, of CM's argument. Cause I'm not going to say his stupid name where he says is a meaningless win it is wrong. I mean, it, it was a big win for this franchise and, certainly you don't want a, a win that moves you from three to six to be to four and six to be considered a big win for your franchise. That's not a good thing to say, but it was for, for a guy in his first year as a head coach, that was a big win. 
Last point I have, and again, two parts here. The first is that there has never been an incident where tanking has actually worked. Ryan, you watch a lot of NBA. The, the Philadelphia 76ers were the originator of trust the process in many which ways. How many conference titles have they won? Well, none yet, but I, I, I think mm-hmm. I think they're definitely uh, comparing basketball to football is just like it, it can't. It doesn't work. It's apples to oranges. Like, and it's I been think like what, four years, though? Yeah, it's been four years, but it's I mean, that's, it it. Is, that's kind of the schedule we're talking, though. Right. It is a process, though. So, I mean, like the, the difference that you see in it is that one. OK, so like let's go back to suck for luck. Right. The Colts are able to get arguably like the, the I mean, he was the best quarterback in that draft class. He takes him to an AFC championship game fairly early on in his career. But like there are so many moving pieces like you're arguably getting the most important player of a team in a team sport. and he's not able to like guarantee you success in the same way that like the Cleveland Cavaliers hit the lottery and they draft LeBron James and like things eventually turn around for them or, you know, the, you know, countless other examples in the NBA where the team, you know, the team who has the top pick gets the best player. And, and that one player, because there's only five guys on the court at a time, like truly has like such a dramatic impact and influence on like the game. Like you're talking about like if the team who gets the number one pick after tanking in football, if they get their quote unquote franchise quarterback, which is by all intents and purposes, the most important position on the team and has one of the biggest influences on how successful a team is like, it doesn't guarantee them future success. Like what Jeremy's been talking about. So I I think, I think it's, it's difficult to make that comparison. And then the one other thing I want to say real quick was that you have a sport and we've talked about this before, but like basketball is a contact sport. It's not a collision sport. Like football is a collision sport. Like to tank in football, like you legitimately have to like play your like second string players. You can't play your, you can't play your starters and tell them to go at like 70% because then they're going to get hurt. Like and how many of you guys want to come out too? They want to play so they can have tape for their contracts. Guys have shorter contracts and the NFL on, 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 on uh, average oh i mean we we talk about the we talk about the fragility of like a head coach's job in terms of like them not having the room or the 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 luxury of quote-unquote tanking like i mean like a lot of these players can be cut and they're like you know they're done it's nothing to them like their career could just be over with so um yeah no i i it just it all the other thing too is like if you see every player on game day, like those guys, like you have to get, I'm assuming that you probably have to get like in a certain like state of mind. Like you have to be like in a, in a mind state. That's just like, you know, you have to be ready to like run into people for, for three hours, like, like on every single play. So I I don't, I don't, there, there's no room for tanking in the NFL. And I want you to join me on this last kind of sub point too, is that while, while like some teams have tried to tank, there's been a lot of teams out there who haven't needed to tank who are already very good. Like, what were we talking about in the offseason that we thought, you know, the Lions, they're trying to be ascendant. Meanwhile, the Bears, okay, look, they're going to be down for a while. Instead, the Bears are back up on top very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams, sh- maybe the Rams should have tanked. Maybe they should have tanked after being stuck at, you know, eight and eight or uh, as, you know, with after Fisher at seven and nine for so long, maybe they should have tanked maybe, but they didn't. Now they're the best team in all of football right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, like, 
there's there's other paths to success in this sport that don't involve the complete annihilation of your of your roster of your franchise with only the faint hope that maybe this Ponzi scheme makes you a little bit of money. Yep. Yeah, totally. It it's just another one of those examples of like tanking is something that is very um it's it's, it's sexy. It's sexy. It because the the idea of it I think appeals to fans. Cuz again, it's some it's some mental math you have to do in your head, right? Just I got to eat a little bit of pain right now, but it'll be worth it in the future because we'll have a stud. Well, it, it's an offer of hope in a hopeless world for these guys. So yeah. we were all feeling pretty hopeless last week, right? Sure. Yeah. And so the idea of having a first round pick or first overall pick. Yeah, that provides hope. I get it. I understand it. It's it's a way of coping with just utter helplessness. It's like, okay, well, if the team just sucks the rest of the way, like I'm already feeling so bad about this team. What's another two months of this? When, I mean, from my point of view, two months of what we experienced in the past three weeks, that is so much worse than, like, I, I think it continually gets worse. But for a lot of people, they think they're at, that you think the lines are at rock bottom at three and six, losing three straight games. And then you see the daunting schedule still ahead. You're like, okay. Things are bad. Let's just hope that they get a good draft pick and 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 turn them around somehow. But I just I don't I don't want to waste the season like that. I don't want to waste the season thinking like that. Yeah, I, I don't either. But the other thing too is that like you can't say you like you can't sit on that hill and say those things. You can't sit on that hill and be like, you know, I you know what I'm seeing the schedule that's ahead. Lions have lost three games in a row. Let's just hope they get a good draft pick. You know how they're going to get a good draft pick by taking a player that's going to be like productive for their for their franchise. Like look by at the 2014 well. draft. Yeah, yeah, by drafting well. You know what? If the Lions were to get the number one overall pick, it would be totally irresponsible and reckless for them to not trade that pick and acquire more picks. Like I would not want them to take to have the number one pick to take whatever guy they wanted at number one. I would want the, I would fully expect them like. I think if if you want to talk about like the NFL being different than the NBA or, or really any other sport, like the NFL, it's all about how many lottery tickets you get to take into that day because the 2014 draft is a perfect example. Sure, the, the Texans with the number one pick, they got Jadavion Clowney, but then picks two, three, and four, Greg Robinson, Blake Bortles, Sammy Watkins. <laughs> like, then it turns just because you have a high... Yeah. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, yeah. even if the Lions are bad, even if, but they might not be terror bad. They they might not end up being worse than the Giants or the Raiders or the Arizona Cardinals, and and they don't get the number one pick. But oh, they got a nice high pick. They'll they'll be able to get a good player. No, they'll be able to get a good player if they pick a good player. Like right. there, yeah. there are so many. There there are 22 positions on a starting football team that need to be filled, and it's just there there's so much room for randomness like we talk about and the the li- the lions drafting well hinges on their ability to evaluate talent not where just, they're drafting yeah exactly like there's too many moving parts to just to to tank right now like it's it's sexy and it's easy to say in the moment just tank because it's just that easy if, you know what it's it's just that easy it's just that easy why hasn't everyone else done it it's so effing easy <laughs> Just like in just like in casino guy, it's so goddamn easy. Why can't you do it? Like right. No, no. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. And again, I understand 
And I, I know people are mad again at Monterez, but again, I only see him in this column he's writing as a patrician for a certain subset of fans who do see tanking as the way to go because you're broken as a Lions fan. You're broken for waiting so long. You're just wanting to try anything to justify the sadness and the not being in the playoffs and not having winning seasons and all the rest and things that generally just don't work out. But you're going to have to suck this one in a little, a little while longer. There's no easy fixes. And you looking at tanking is like getting a call from Birdie Madoff and being like, oh, you want to do what with my money? Oh, that sounds like a great idea. That's it. Ponzi scheme. Don't fall for it. Giving you life tips here. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the mailbag. I'm going to talk a little bit less and let our guys go to it. I feel like we've had a missed opportunity not having another list cast for Thanksgiving. But maybe we've got some questions in the mailbag to address that. We'll be right back. Mail time. Mail time. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail time. Hashtag AskPOD on Twitter, as always. We're, we're, for the big POD cast, we're trying to do these on Sundays now, so we usually send out calls on Twitter. That's usually the best way to do it. Uh, for the next game, I think there will be a thread for AskPOD because I don't think we're going to be recording on Thanksgiving. Nope. That's a little too much even for us low lives out here. So instead, we're going to take some questions from Twitter. But first, uh, I feel like I need to... Ryan, should I just go back, find the Thanksgiving episode from last year and just clip the the list cast and bring that out in the middle of the season? I mean, in the middle of the week? Probably. Do, do, those, standings, do those standings still hold up? Do you still swear by the green bean casserole? Yeah, green bean casserole is the thing that I'm looking forward to the most on Thursday. Um, probably only, uh, yeah, no, it's close. I mean, the pumpkin gooey cake, if that makes an appearance, I, I don't think it will. I'm not going to pressure Tammy into doing anything extra. Sweet she's already been, she's already been Blow doing Tammy. enough. Yeah, big Tammy guy. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, love green bean casserole. It's the best. Ryan, I'm sorry, Jeremy, I don't think you were on that POD cast when we were list casting. Um, no, I actually remember listening to it while I was in Florida and being enraged at mostly everything. <laughs> oh, God. Whatever. Well, yeah, what's, what's, your, what's your favorite? What's your th- favorite Thanksgiving food then? It's pumpkin pie, without question. My man. I, I, I don't even need to explain myself. It's just the right answer. No, I don't think so. Like, it's not the right answer because, like, you can have a really bad, like, pumpkin pie can be really bad and, like, boring. Like, the only thing that's, like, good pumpkin pie. I don't. Yeah, and green bean casserole can be bad and boring. It can be, I mean, green beans are, like, the most boring vegetable there is. And if they're not cooked all the way, you're just, like, chewing into a raw, you're, like, chewing into a plant. We had some people on that list cast standing up for canned canned that like cranberry jelly like so i love that stuff i'm just saying like you can't come out here and then say oh pumpkin pie you might get it from a store yeah but i mean you can get green bean casserole from a store when you get cream of mushroom soup and then you get green beans from a can like it's really hard to mess that up and you put the you put the french onion crisps on the top of it so good so good 
I don't even know how to, I, I don't know what to do with you sometimes. Chris, Chris, if you're going to come into my house, I want you to take off your shoes. And if you're going to take off your shoes, I want you to take off your socks. And you take off your socks, I want you to roll up your pants. And then I'll put the grapes on the floor and you make a mead to wine. You make a mead to wine. I was about to say, this, this sounded like it was going to get sexy for a second. I'm glad we're uh, pulled back <laughs> a doing bit. a bit that like 5% of people might know. <laughs> I'm, I'm so lost right now. Watch the Adam Sandler special. I, I'd rather not watch Adam Sandler. Thank there you. is a 0% chance Chris will like that. I don't Maybe like Adam Sandler. Percentage. Uh, okay. right, let's get into some questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was our first question, pretty much. Oh. Um, I, I, not from, from anyone else, I should say. Okay, let's go. Here we go. Logan Smith wanting to ask us from Hatman15. Are the all gray unis the best Lions unis ever? If not, what is? I have I'm still, I'm opinions. Still, uh, yeah, my, my friend my friend was getting really hot and bothered by him today. He was like, man, those are just the coolest jerseys. And I was like, eh, they're okay. They're, nothing in comparison. I, I think my favorite, um, my favorite are the whites and, bl- and blue pants. Just because I think the white jerseys do the best job um, with kind of the overall like design aesthetic like the the home jerseys i'm still not sold on those like it's it's too hard to make out the numbers there isn't like the the difference in colors it just doesn't lend itself very well to to everything that's going on within the scheme of it but the white jerseys the away jerseys with the blue pants i think are my my favorite look I think the all gray uniforms are the best in Lions history if you ignore the other three Lions jerseys that they currently have and every other jersey in history except for the black jerseys. I was going to say, like, is this a Michigan thing? Because, like, everyone I saw on Twitter was like, God, those jerseys are awful. I and as someone, as someone pointed out, too, like, what, 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 was the, what was the thought process is looking up at the Michigan sky in November? It's like, yes, I want a jersey to look exactly like that. Like, okay, so the Pistons, Eastern Michigan University, and Detroit Lions have now all tried this flat gray look and all three times it has looked like dog crap. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. First of all, the Pistons jerseys are technically chrome, okay? No, no, but I'm talking like the ones back in I think it was 2015 they went that flat black with navy, I'm mean, at flat gray with navy look. Yeah, those are the chrome jerseys. Are the those ones the that say Motor City on them? That ain't chrome. Well, hey, I'm just hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just I'm, I'm letting you know. Let you know. The other, the one other thing though is that if the Red Wings come out with a gray jersey, I will do everything in my power to burn the city to the ground. You will just turn into the Joker and just take the city by storm. The only ones who can do gray is is apparently the Tigers for their road jerseys, and they do that because they they put like they go crazy and they put orange on it and because crap like that. Baseball's boring and gray's a boring color. Okay, here we go again. Dude, baseball is such a boring sport, man. You <laughs> know what? Boring. Here's another reason why we don't here's another reason why we don't want to tank because these are the precious months where we don't have to put up with baseball. So like <laughs> let's enjoy it while we have it. Or the sad state of, of Pistons basketball or Red Wings hockey. Like this is this is it right now. Like I know Michigan's doing no. well, but they almost I don't want yeah, to hear it. Yeah, I don't Michigan, want to hear it. Like this Michigan is early season well, for on. some of those other sports. The, oh, wing, the wings are Michigan's on the heater, man. Yeah, mi- oh, the the Wolverines are fine. They're, they're probably going to end up losing to the Buckeyes, and oh that's just going to be to. Are you guys going to be to my chagrin? 
Are you guys ready for a college football playoff that includes only two conferences and an independent? I'm just I'm just glad that Michigan State has moved the bar so much that it's not even we have to beat Michigan. It's let's just hope Michigan loses to Ohio State and that'll be a winning season for us. I literally could not care less about college football. <laughs> well, that's weird how that changes for your pre-year. Go Grizz. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, okay. Let's see here. I've got a question here from the 15th, and I just I want to take these to enrage Jeremy a bit. Uh, Ty Turner asking us some questions for next week's podcast. One, should we go after Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> Two, just for the fun, let's toy with the idea of taking a first-round quarterback and trading Matt Stafford. What would oh, our world look God. like? Yes, I'm a Stafford fan. Jeremy has left this party. <laughs> left the party we're not playing Fortnite. damn it that didn't work no it didn't it didn't uh no i'm what no i'm not i'm not even answering these hypotheticals and why okay can yeah, we, can I, I will we... i will you know what it's gonna look like taking a first round quarterback misery for three years and then everyone suddenly wanted to get rid of that quarterback and probably someone throw probably the coach or the gm thrown at or maybe both eventually thrown out the door and suddenly maybe that hit that quarterback's growth is stunted and the next coach that comes in is not happy with it. And they want to draft another quarterback. Just, just imagine how many positions on defense we'd have to pass over to go for a quarterback. And also I know we haven't talked any draft stuff, but let me give you a quick preview this year's quarterback class, hot garbage. Like (laughs) maybe the kid from Oregon is decent, but there is no one that is deserving of like a top 15 pick unless you are absolutely desperate for a quarterback. There is no one like the hottest quarterback in, in college football is probably the guy, the kid in Alabama to a, to have a good, to have a, I can't say his name without looking at it right now. Um, but he doesn't, he's not eligible to come out this year. Like there's no good quarterbacks coming out of this class. Mm. Well, let's just say that I'm a big fan of Take Me Home Country Roads, Will Greer. Will but, uh, Greer. I, I love Will Greer. I, that's, I forgot about him. Yes, I like him. Don't think he'll save the Lions, though. No, no. I don't and, think uh, one quarterback. Clearly, hold on. One quarterback is not going to save the Lions because if that was possible, Matthew Stafford would be doing it right now. Right. <laughs> As for coaches, I don't even remember which Harbaugh you said. But yeah. I think the line, but I think the lines have a better shot at Condoleezza Rice. Funny, funny how that comes out on faulty intel that Condoleezza Rice is being talked to about the uh, Browns job. Faulty intel never has happened with Condoleezza Rice before. Would, okay. Would, okay, settle down. Would Would Rumsfeld be her defensive coordinator? Rumsfeld. Oh my god, <laughs> he'd be a terrible defensive coordinator. <laughs> In ways that are I can't even address on this podcast. Best left, best left unaddressed. Best left unaddressed. Wow. Press conferences would get a lot more chippy. That, that's one thing. Brad, Next question. At, yeah, Brad at Constrictor fourteen. Let's move away very quickly now. <laughs> um, is the goalpost the defense the the defense slash special teams MVP through this week on the season? It has to be. <laughs> Audible Dog has been playing out of his mind. He is delivering so many fantasy points. You need to pick him up right now as an independent defensive player. Wouldn't Jeremy, it be amazing if they if 
the NFL just like had a joke week and they're like, all right, NFC special teams player of the week, the goalpost in Detroit Lions. <laughs> Jeremy, we can control that. I don't know why the field goal post haven't made it into game ball standings. I I try to go away from doing joke answers because I, I don't want like a field goal post to win at the end of the year because that'll be sad. No, that would be incredible. That's one way to remember the season. <laughs> Maybe next year. Oh, speaking of which, I have game game. I have a song of the song of the game for this week. Yes, you do. Troy Kilgore. Nope, nope. Guess now. Oh. Yeah, let's let's stop the spoilers. I want I don't want him to spoil anything. Um, Troy Kilgore is White Castle still a viable option for late night snacking? Oh boy, I have I have a little bit of a story for this one. Story time. Let's go. So. I want to say two years ago when I was living in LA, I came back for a, a Lions game with my buddy. I think it was Lions Vikings. Lions won, win an ugly, ugly, ugly game. And this friend has never been to White Castle. And he's like, well, we're in Michigan. They have White Castle here. We got to do White Castle. And it's like one in the morning. We just got done walking around downtown Detroit. I'm like, fine, let's, let's get a sack of 10 or whatever the sacks are in now. And... We're not even drunk at this point. We're just tired and desperate and hungry. And we, we tackle that thing. We, we devour it. We, we take it down like it's a wildebeest. Damon snacks here taking down a running back. Oh, that too. And the next morning I get up with, I, I'm staying with some family friends and I'm sitting there at the kitchen table and I can barely hear anyone speak over my own stomach. Just literally everyone in, in the kitchen can hear my stomach from feet away. No is the answer to your question. I will never have White Castle again in my life. It destroys you. What, what was the original it. question, Chris? <laughs> Just is White Castle viable for late night snacking? Yeah, I mean, White Castle is viable for late night snacking. If, like Jeremy just pointed out, if you think that it's viable to spend like the next eight to ten hours on the porcelain throne. <laughs> next question from Evan Big at Big Slick McDick. Good to see Evan back on Twitter. What's up with Kurt Cousins this year? Kurt Cousins. <laughs> Kurt Cousins. C-U-R-T. Cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Evan anybody, was a joker and I love him he's the best but it's also that that's born out of a Skip Bayless tweet because Skip Bayless called Kirk Cousins Kurt Cousins for some reason so um, oh yeah no yeah I see it well the tweet in question was I'm sorry I knocked this mic out tonight Skip Bayless 748 p.m. I think that's specific I'll say it again Kurt Cousins Kurt is the most overplayed and overrated player in the history of the National Football League I will miss him Thursday at Jerry World. Real quick, um, let's list cast all of our top one Kurts of all time. Anybody got a Kurt that they'd put number one? Because mine's uh, Kurt Angle. Does it have to be with a C, or can I do it with a K? You can do it with a K, because I just did it with a K. Kurt Angle, number one. Integrity, Kurt intelligence. Russell. Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell, yeah. It's not bad. Pretty good pick. Yeah, I'm stealing Chris. It's because it's definitely not Kurt Schilling. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Kurt Schilling might be a bottom 10 Kurtz. <laughs> All right. 
I know you hate to get to these questions. We're having some good questions here, and now I'm about to derail it. I've got a few more after this to bring the energy back up. I didn't want to save this for last, though. Mad about football at Ace Buckeye 13. I see many post game articles praising the coaching, but I don't see it. Too many mistakes, too much confusion, bad play calling, you name it. We fired Caldwell because nine and seven wasn't good enough. Patricia would be lucky to get seven and nine by this point, should he be fired. It's a mailbag. You're supposed to ask questions. He did at the end, but should you be fired? I mean, no. Here's here's not not for his record. Not for his record. Here's the sad truth. Whether they admitted it in the offseason or not, this was a complete 100% rebuild on defense. 100% rebuild on defense. Whole scheme change, whole bunch of new guys and new faces, and the Lions signed a whole bunch of guys to a one-year deal to try to keep their head above water this year while they try to build a new scheme. We talked this about was last, rebuild on yeah. defense, and they're awful on defense. They still are bad on defense. I know they held... The, the Panthers to seven points through three and a half quarters. We, we talked about defense. it last. We talked about it on the last POD cast too. Like this, this was a very weird team coming out of 2017 because, like, yeah, we expected better than nine and seven because that's what the Caldwell thing insinuated. But at the same time, if you looked deeper on that surface, we saw a lot of cracks in this team that I think we papered. We admitted we papered over a little bit. Like this team needed a lot of help. So. It's, it was weird marrying those two realities, I think. And I think some fans are still working on that. Yep. Josh, I think the other thing, too, is I think a lot of fans just had high hopes for this season based on what they were able to do last year and then seemingly like fixing the Lions' one deficiency that everybody thought they had by you know putting the final stamp on the offensive line and getting a running back finally. So I think that people's expectations were just misguided and not aligned. Next question here from OJ to juice man. What is the go-to Thanksgiving adult beverage for each of you? I'm assuming for him, it's orange juice. Adulting like a boss with some orange juice. I don't, I don't think that's what he meant by OJ. <laughs> You guys, you guys really are washed. OJ the Juice Man is a is a rapper from from Atlanta. But anyways, oh, I know um, exactly. I, I wasn't saying it was. He was talking about OJ Simpson. I was. That was him. I was. Don't, I don't absolutely was. I'm. I, I'm not hip. That's fine. It's fine. You don't need to be. You don't need to be hip in order to perform at trivia. So. Damn right. Um, favorite drink on Thanksgiving Day. Uh. I don't know. Is it is it a fruit cocktail? Is it uh, is it something there, of the other? I don't have an answer. Is there a specific Thanksgiving drink? Because all I can think about is like a, a hard apple cider. Just apple cider with something just hard. Wine, in. wine for me. Like red wine's fine. Goes is with it, a hearty meal. Is it it's too good. early? Is it too early for eggnog? Yeah. Yeah, I know it's really cold up there, and you guys are getting snow. But too early for eggnog. Putting that down right now. Josh Nelson at Roar from IA. What is Patricia's voodoo for the opposing team's kicker? Serrano used to give Jobu rum. Dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot. It's a good question. And I, I wish I knew. And I feel like this is a setup for some like outside practice joke, but I'm not going to take the easy, low-hanging fruit. Because mm. I'm better than that. 
Maybe he uh, maybe he spills all of his pencil shavings onto something. Okay. Okay. Hmm. We'll get back I, to you on this one. I, I I can see some magical pencil. Like this is a reference that I'm even surprising myself with. He's got like a death note type thing where he just like he writes a kicker's name in a in a book. Wow, weeb. <laughs> weeb. I don't know what that word you're saying means, but okay. Washed. You're washed. I'm with I'm with Ryan on this. You're washed if you don't know no, what weeb means. Matt Patricia's got a death note booklet of kicker's careers that he wants to end, and it works. Well, anime. I mean, with, I'm with, cool with with a with a record like four and six. Sure is getting him far. Well, yeah, he needs to find a, a Death Note booklet <laughs> for maybe like quarterbacks. That would be great to come up with right now. These are very specific notebooks you've got. Yes, that's so that's many notebooks. Right. All the I've notebooks. I've never actually seen an episode All of Death Note. I just know the concepts. Still a weeb. That's One o'clock in the morning. I'm no. washed. Yeah. Last question here from Ty. Who's the most famous person to have blocked you on Twitter? Alternatively, who's the most famous person who follows you on Twitter? I kind of have an answer for blocked, but I want to hear what other people have first. Okay. I I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm blocked by a whole lot of people. Um, but I will say that my most famous follow is um, the <laughs> okay. So the father from Smart Guy, uh, John Marshall Jones. Uh, he uh, he follows me on Twitter, and he's a he's a really nice guy. He's a Lions fan. But so the father from the TV show Smart Guy, which ran like in like the late nineties. I have no idea what that show or who that person is. You've never you never watched Smart Guy? Nope. Oh, come on. Not that Neat old. Little show. It's, it's about a it's about a kid who moves from like 4th grade to 10th grade because he's super smart. He's a child genius. TJ Henderson. Whatever. So it's the opposite it, of Billy people, Madison. People will get it. There were three yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the inverse of Billy Madison. And <laughs> It had three seasons. Whatever you say, man. Sounds awesome. Most famous person who's blocked me. Um, I don't know. Do you have an answer for this one, Jeremy? No, I don't know if any. I don't think anyone's ever blocked me ever. Oh, you choir boy. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't Reno. Reno was blocked by Rappaport, right? Reno gets blocked by a lot of people. He got (laughs) on. He just he groveled at Rappaport's knees and got himself unbanned. Oh, I feel like that's not painting the situation accurately, but no, I like to explain that. <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Um, there's no real way for me to see everyone who's blocked me on Twitter, but the most memorable one is a slightly political one. He's not that no famous, way. I guess. Yeah, yeah, no way. Wow. <laughs> Politics got me into trouble. Wow. Um, his name is Eric Garland. He went, I think, after the 2016 election. He went, no, before it. He went on this rant on Twitter where it starts with the phrase, it's time for some game theory. And Eric Garland's major damage is that he thinks everything in the world, literally everything in the world, 
is a conspiracy by the Russians. Like you can go to his Twitter thing and like, this doesn't even go down just like talking about, you know, Robert Mueller stuff, but like every little thing that happens in the world, somehow he's able to tie back to the Russians. And uh, I, I don't even remember what I said to him at this point. I think I said, I think I said Bernie Sanders was going to come and fight you and take your, uh, take your lunch money or something. And he just blocked me. <clears throat> oh, Theo Riddick blocked Pride of Detroit. I still That's have right. no idea why. And I'm sad. Well, I do know why. Now that I've actually seen him in the locker room, he, he seems like he might be kind of a temperamental guy in general. Doesn't take a lot of shit. I, the thing is, like, we've been one of the biggest theoretic thumpers from the beginning. But Theo unblock us. This, I mean, now, uh, now that I called him temperamental, I'm sure he'll unblock us. Just to hear I, this and block us again. <laughs> a, I'm sure he's listening to the podcast, right? B, yeah, he should. I be. mean, you know what? Hey, instead of instead of unblocking us, how about you block somebody on third down? <laughs> what? Yikes, man! Okay, Dude, now we're definitely not going to get blocked now. On the team. Wow! Toxic. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I'm going to let you guys get all your Christopher Walken impressions out before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Is it kind about, of like the about, opposite of like actually, Christmas lights where you have to you get it out before Thanksgiving? <laughs> actually, you know what? Besides Christopher Walken, we should we should just we should be switching over to Owen Wilson. Wow, for right now. Like Wow. <laughs> That's not an Owen Wilson. <laughs> wow. Wow. I can't do Owen Wilson. Uh, wow. wow. Okay. You're at least going in the right direction. You're still like miles away, but Wow. No, <laughs> it's too no, it's too high pitched. It's more of a wow. 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 Oh god. No. Nope. I, th- I think my, my Are you purposely own... messing this up. What's happening? No. I just I just want to outline that I think my Owen Wilson impression is Andy Samberg doing an Owen Wilson impression. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I can respect that one. Wow. Nope, that was bad. That was bad. All right. Are, are we still recording? Is this happening? No, this I'm killing this podcast. This is, this, is... <laughs> this is what happens when we go past one. This is like feeding the gremlins after midnight. If this doesn't make the podcast this is feeding, post. This is, this is feeding gremlins White Castle after midnight. <laughs> after midnight. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit P.O.D. cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I-A-M-B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat 
from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. 